First John chapter 2, and uh, we commence reading from verse 18. First John chapter 2, we commence reading from verse 18. Reading from the English Standard Version. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Father has the Son. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide with you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He made to us, eternal life. Well, brethren, we continue in a series of messages from First John under the theme of assurance of eternal salvation. We noted at the beginning of this series from First John chapter 5 and verse 13 that the very reason why John wrote this epistle was in order for us who believe in the Son of God, to know that indeed we have eternal life. So it's written as a letter to enable us know the tests, the, the proofs of salvation, so that if we have those proofs, we can go in life knowing that we have experienced the, the miraculous saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ by His Spirit. But if we keep failing one test after the other, instead of arguing against the Scriptures, we ought to instead rush to God in prayer, pleading with Him that He might save us from our sin. Currently, we are in the second chapter of this book. And in it, we are in that section where we are being told that if we believe the right things, according to the scriptures, then we have hope in believing that our lives are truly changed. 
On the other hand, if having believed the truth at some point, we abandon it and instead chase after false teaching, then we are not believers. Because those who are true believers have a knowledge-giving anointing. The Spirit of God who resides within true believers enables them to know the truth of salvation, to retain the truth of salvation, and to relish that truth of salvation. So that when false teaching, heretical teaching, come to them, they don't abandon the truth for error. No, they hang on to the truth. That's what we saw all the way to verse 21. Today, we're looking at the 22nd and 23rd verse of this chapter. And the words there are these. Verse 22 and verse 23. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. In many ways it is the theme that we've already begun to look at as we've been singing. And it is the fact that what you believe truly matters. It not only determines how you are going to live as you are responding to situations around your life, but also it is a telltale sign betraying the true condition of your soul. In other words, if the Holy Spirit is in you, He radiates truth out of your being. But on the other hand, if he is missing inside you, then invariably you are going to be an individual that will deny the very truth that stares you in the face from Scripture. And so we ought to be asking ourselves an all-important question. What do I really believe? What do I believe? Especially when I am in a crisis, when there is pressure on my life, peer pressure, when I'm afraid that my name might die out there, and I'm pressing the panic button, what is it that makes up the me that makes me, me? What is it that begins, therefore, to manifest itself against all odds. What do I believe? Well, according to these two verses that we have just read, we are to identify heretical teachers and their followers by what they deny concerning the clear teaching of Scripture about the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's quite a mouthful, so let me repeat it. We are to identify 
heretical teachers and their followers by what they deny concerning the clear teaching of Scripture about the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we read earlier on in the 22nd verse as John began with a rhetorical question and it is asking about the identity of the liar. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, he says. He who denies the Father and the Son. Now John was not writing in a vacuum. This was not a statement coming from a theologian in the context of a Bible college or seminary. Rather, he was a teacher, an apostle, a shepherd of the people of God. And there were certain teachings that were already doing their rounds and causing havoc within the church. And John was responding to these teachings. Basically, they were teachings that were denying the, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ in terms of him being God and being man at the same time. So the kind of teaching amounted to the fact that surely you cannot have God in human flesh. Because as humans, we are intrinsically sinful. So the moment you speak in terms of God, you are invariably divorcing Him from man. So it doesn't matter what people may say, Jesus of Nazareth could not have been God. Well, that's one strand of teaching doing its rounds. But there's another. And it is one that looks at the height of his suffering on Calvary, on the cross, and again says, you cannot have God to suffer. God to shed his blood. God to die, and especially death upon the cross. So perhaps one way to explain it is that whatever this spirit is that is divine must have abandoned him prior to his finding his way to the cross. So there was a thinking through and a teaching concerning the person and work of Jesus that fell short of what the Bible itself taught again and again and again through the prophets and indeed through the apostles themselves. It amounted to the fact that Jesus, therefore, was not the long-expected Messiah. He is not one that fulfills all the New Testament, rather the Old Testament teachings. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus 
is the Christ. Jesus is the anointed one, which is what the word Christ means. Jesus is the Messiah, the long-expected Messiah. He cannot be because he cannot fulfill all this. The expectation of the Jews at that time was that the Messiah was going to come as a gallant, victorious ruler. He was going to come and, and defeat the Romans and take the nation, the people of Israel, into a glorious era. That was the expectation. And not one who comes is born in a cow shed, grows up as a carpenter's son, and finally is rejected by the Jewish leaders and hanged upon a cross. He cannot be the Christ. The one we expect is one who will come galloping on a horse and finally destroy the powers of Rome, colonialist Rome, and free his people. What is John saying? He's saying those who are denying that which has been fulfilled in the person of Jesus, those who are doing so, they are the liars. They are the ones who have believed a lie and propagate a lie. They are the ones who are the Antichrist. They are denying the Father and the Son concept. They are denying that the Father has so loved the world that He has sent His Son to die for our sins, to pay the price for our sins through His suffering upon the cross. In other words, they are denying the biblical way of salvation when they are denying all those things. That's what is happening. And consequently, John says that that's the way you identify them. And that gives us some food for thought. I want us to think about that as we now follow John in dealing with the implication of such a teaching. And as we follow John in dealing with the implication of this, I want us to go beyond the, those early New Testament heretics referred to as the Gnostics. I want us to, to leave them behind and come to today and answer the question, who are the heretical teachers? Who are the ones who are following them? And consequently, what is the Bible saying about them? John goes on to tell us that anyone who denies the clear teaching of Scripture about the person and work of Jesus Christ does not have a saving and living relationship with the true God of heaven. That's the implication. That's the serious implication. There is not just a denomination there or some stubborn teaching over there, 
The reason why this is going on, why there is such serious falsity, serious error, serious heresy with respect to the clear teaching of Scripture over the person and work of Jesus is because these people don't have life, spiritual life in them. They are dead. They've never been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. They have no living relationship with the creator of the universe, the governor of history, the savior of his people, the coming judge of the living and the dead. That's the problem. And we need to realize this, to go from the broader picture and then begin to see the implication of this heresy, this wrong teaching, and so many people gravitating after it. This is the way he puts it in verse 23, the first part. No one who denies the Son has the Father. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Again, let's be clear. It's not so much denying that Jesus ever came. Of course they couldn't deny it. It was in their history books. It is not so much denying one aspect of him. They could not deny that he lived among them. They could not deny that Jesus of Nazareth was crucified upon a cross in between true criminals. They couldn't deny that. It was too recent a history to be denied. Rather, it was a denying the nature of the redemption that Jesus brought. As I said, the person and work of Jesus. We can apply it to today, for instance, when you have individuals that deny the virgin birth. That here is God sending his son to be born into this world in a way that none of us can ever be born. That he was born without a human father. That it was the Spirit of God who did a miraculous conception upon the womb of his mother Mary. When individuals begin to say, that's a lot of nonsense. That's just some teaching that has been going on across history. But because it is not humanly possible, therefore it did not happen. What are they doing? They're denying what is clearly written here. Their own intelligence or the intelligence of their own preachers and teachers takes precedence over what is clearly taught in black and white in this book. It's also those who deny the nature of redemption. The nature of redemption. That the Lord Jesus Christ is God. That the one who died upon that cross is God. 
And therefore, that suffering that took place there in the person of the man Christ Jesus, who is indeed God himself, has the value of infinity. He can purchase millions upon millions, billions upon billions, and billions of souls, if need be, because of the value of the one who hangs there. It is God himself. Those who deny the fact that that redemption is by a swapping of places. That consequently, Jesus took upon himself my sins and therefore suffered my punishment. That that punishment that should have sunk me deeper than the grave into the flames of hell was poured out on him. The Father punishing the Son in my place. That that alone is what satisfies God. That alone is what causes God the Father to say anyone who believes in you comes into my heaven freely. Those who deny that and instead begin to fit in human good works that you should give so much money to the preacher or the teacher or the priest that you should go through some kind of ritual at his hands That he must be the one who must do something to you. That the death of Jesus alone is insufficient. They are denying the transaction between the Father and the Son. And those who do such things, they have no spiritual life in them. It doesn't matter whether they operate within a place called a church, it doesn't matter whether they are clothed in robes, clerical robes. It doesn't matter whether they have terms like reverend or father or bishop or pastor or whatever other term they might have to their name. All the way to apostle these days. It doesn't matter. If this is missing, they have no life in them. They have no relationship with the true God of heaven. It's not me saying it. It's right there in your Bible. Verse 23, the first part. No one who denies The Son, in this way, as Scripture has revealed Him, His person and His work, no one who denies this has the Father. Today, most of the denial 
is not a direct teaching. Most of the denial is through silence. That's what it is. It's through silence. In other words, it's preachers who, who don't teach this. Why do I say so? It's because the positive, if you look at it, second part of verse 23 says, whoever confesses the Son, whoever testifies this way of the Son, he is the one who has life. In other words, this denial can be in the form of silence. And that is the major denial today. You listen to so much of today's preaching. And it, there is precious little there about Jesus on the cross. As our substitute, paying the price for our sin, satisfying completely the wrath of Almighty God against our sin. And therefore calling us to come to Him freely, that we may receive at His hands a full and free salvation. It's conspicuous by its absence. Instead, it's this. you have TB, come. Jesus wants to cure you of TB. Do you have AIDS? Come. Jesus wants to cure you of AIDS. Are you barren? Come. Jesus wants to give you a baby. Vikwativavuta, come. He'll give you a husband. He'll give you a wife. Huh? Are you struggling with promotion? Come. Jesus will give you promotion. Whatever it is, come. That's the main message. And what I'm saying is this. That is the denial of this relationship we're talking about here, of God so loving the world that He gives His only Son, that whoever believes in Him does not perish in hell, but instead receives eternal life from God the Father. It is absent. Absent. It's all about health and wealth. That's all there is. And we're still, it is now, if you can give to the preacher so much money, then you'll get these things. That's not Christianity. It's not the Christianity of the Bible. And the reason why this has become so common is because these preachers have no living relationship with God through Jesus Christ. They don't have it. There's no light of life in them. Zero. It's God saying it here. It's God saying it. Thankfully, the opposite is also true. It is only those who testify about the person and work of Jesus Christ as 
taught in scripture who has a saving and living relationship with the true God of heaven. That's a positive statement. And here it is. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. And the reason is simple. Remember, we've been told about the knowledge-giving anointing. The Spirit of God who dwells in the hearts and souls of those who are His own. Those whom He says. The Spirit of God is the one who sheds abroad in our hearts not only the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, but also the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, we are mesmerized by this truth. We love it. We fall in love with these truths concerning the person and work of Christ. Consequently, we want to talk about them. We want to sing about them. We are overjoyed. We, when we are in, in informal fellowship with one another, we are speaking, confessing, testifying concerning this Jesus and the great things that he has done for us. Just prepare that song again, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Just want us to walk through it, but as it's getting ready, my point is, as a traveling preacher, I'm often in places that give me the impression either people have gone mad or they've left their brains at the door. And often these are educated people. who reduce worship to merely physical things. And that's all the excitement as they are dancing away to, to the rumba-type music. And what are they singing about? He, he, he's good to me. He, he has woken me up this morning. He's good to me. He has given me food. He's good to me. He's, he's uh, taking me to sleep tonight. He's good to me because he's given me my job. He's good to me because he's given me my wife. He's good to me because he's given me children. He's good to me. And then before you know it, he said it all over again. He's good to me. He woke me up this morning. He's good to me because he's given me food. One solid hour. One song leader gets tired and they just swap microphones with another one who now takes off his jacket and puts it in his waist. Starts all over again. It's good to me. He woke me up this morning. Friends, even my great, great, great grandfather who was not a Christian, had never heard about the Lord Jesus Christ, would have sung that song easily. After all, we Africans have always believed in some God or other. And now, that's the singing. Where are 
are we hearing? How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch like me his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss as the father punishes his own son, pours the wrath of of a sin-hating God upon his own son and turns his face away as the son is crying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As wounds which mar the chosen one, the anointed one, the son, the cross, brings many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross. My sin upon his shoulders. Not my barrenness. Not my lack of having a wife or husband. Not my lack of promotion. Or whatever the disease might be in my body. My sin. My terrible, wicked, wretched, evil. Iniquity upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I imagine myself among the many voices that were calling out among the scoffers, mocking him. It was my sin that held him back. It was to rescue me from hell that he remained there. Until my rescue was accomplished. His dying breath brought me eternal life. And I know it is finished. Look at the response there. That's why I said you get mesmerized. You, you fall in love with this truth. I will not boast in anything doesn't matter what gifts he has given me, what powers he has given me, what wisdom is given me. There's only one thing I want to boast in, Jesus Christ. And what about him? The cross of Jesus. His death and resurrection. And he asks that question. Why should I gain from his life? Who, who am I? Who am I? That I of all people, with all my sin, selfishness, wickedness, iniquity, that I should profit from the death of God's own Son on the cross. Why me? And his answer is, I, I can't. I don't have an answer. I can't. It, 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 beats, it blows my mind. But this thing I know with all my heart, his wounds, Paid my ransom. I'm saying, go to those places that are filled with people to the brim and tell me whether you're going to hear songs like this. No. No. A thousand times no. 
Because I preach in such places. Instead, what you hear is nothing more than he puts pumpkin leaves on my plate. He's good to me. He fills up my wardrobe. He's good to me. Given me a new car, he's good to me. I'm saying, friends, if that's your speech, as you're among one another, and you're calling yourself believers, you are on your way to hell. As I said, even my great, 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 great grandfather, before, Jesus, before David Livingstone came into this part of the world, would have easily sung those songs to the drum beats of the local witch doctor. Yes. Because they never saw that the witch doctor was a contradiction from Lesa or Mulungu or whatever other phrase they may have had for the divine. They never saw it that way. They could have sung that. But I want to tell you one thing they could not have sung this. Definitely not this. Only those who have now come to believe in the Father and the Son can sing this. Can get together around a cup of tea or coffee and speak, Oh, God has loved me. He's loved me with an everlasting love. He sent His Son to take my place, to die my death, to suffer painful pride. And he's satisfied. And he now wants me to join him in heaven. Friends, that's the Christianity of the Bible. What am I saying then? Or better still, what is John saying? It is this. What you believe matters. Let me say it again. What you believe matters. It's a litmus paper test as to whether you are going to heaven or not. It is. If you hold on to heretical beliefs about Jesus Christ, who He is and what He has done, then you are not a Christian. Well, let me put it this way. If the sum total of your confession is nothing but the drab that currently fills so many churches under the name of God, listening to what their itching ears want to hear, here's what I'm saying to you. Then you are going where they are going. To hell. You may sit there and say, that's tough. I'm saying, read these verses again on your own. Read them in their historical context. And see that for yourself. John was serious. But we must end on a positive note. And it is this. If that's what you find yourself to be, that the Sabbath of the cross doesn't 
mean much to you. For you, it's, it's what was there when you were supposedly getting saved 10 years ago, 20 years ago, but not now. Now it's about Jesus helping you to acquire land somewhere in the outskirts of Lusaka. That that's what matters now. I'm saying, go to Christ today and say to him, open my eyes to see the wonder of Calvary. Open my eyes until Calvary glows in my soul. Open my eyes so that everything about you from beginning to end, Lord Jesus, can fill my soul to overflowing. As one hymn writer so wonderfully captured, living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified. Freely, forever. One day he's coming. Oh, glorious day. But for you to sing it directly to him in the second person. Living, you loved me. Dying, you saved me. Buried, you carried my sins far away. Rising, you justified freely forever. One day you are coming. Oh, glorious day. I can't wait for my Savior to return and usher me body and soul into his heaven. When that becomes a reality in you, what he's saying is this. You have the Father and you have the Son in you. That's why you are so excited about this. You and you alone are a true Christian. Amen.